0: The Good Reading Podcast is brought to you by Luxury Read, the monthly book subscription that pairs a new release book with a pampering gift delivered to your door. There are new books every month and nine genres to choose from. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how. Thursday, 18 November 1965, 10 a.m. Lorraine Spencer stood at the lectern on the third floor of the East Perth Police Station. Before her sat the top brass, including the commissioner, deputy commissioner, and a range of superintendents, both plainclothed and in uniform. At the back of the room stood Catalini and Bishop. She'd spent so long in her flat that morning trying to decide what to wear that she'd been on the verge of tears. At one point, she thought it would be easier to resign than put herself through this. She was angry with herself for even caring. It shouldn't matter. If only she could wear the same old suit like the men. Eventually, she'd settled on a long black skirt, dark stockings, flat shoes, and a fitted jacket. Currently, there is the understanding that there is no point in taking a man to court for assaulting his wife, she told the room. We operate under the belief that the wife will either refuse to take out charges against her husband or that she will fail to appear to give evidence. But when we, the police, believe a serious assault has occurred, we can bring charges. In fact, it is our duty to prosecute. Do you think it will ever happen? Bishop whispered to Catalini. He looked at Spencer's open, honest face and saw the innocent belief in her eyes. It made him anxious. Robert Jeffries worked as an actor, teacher, builder, labourer, real estate agent, personal security agent, playwright and poet. ABC Radio National has featured his radio plays Bodily Harm and Covert, which received an Australian Writers Guild Award. Robert's novel Man at the Window was the first in the Detective Cardellini series and was published in 2018. Robert passed away in 2019 and his second Detective Cardellini novel, The Final Cut, was completed by his wife, Rosalba Jeffries. Today I'm talking to Rosalba about The Final Cut and her part in completing Robert's second novel. Rosalba, welcome to the Good Reading podcast.
1: Thank you. Good morning,
0: Rosalba. You completed the manuscript of the final cut after Robert's passing. What task were you left with, and, and how did you approach that task?
1: I'd actually worked with Robert on the novels. I didn't write any of it initially, but we worked together on quite a bit of it. Robert was the the ideas man. He spent, you know, 24-7 on it all the time. I I just used to come in every now and then. So what needed to be done with the second novel, the final cut, was that Robert was in love with words. Um, So what would happen was he would get carried away with it, especially with a lot of the dialogue, Um, and it was hard for him to let it go. So when when it came to the last editing process, Robert was quite ill and he had a couple of weeks of remission, I suppose, but he really didn't have the focus that he needed to get into it and um, it was very upsetting for him, I think. So when he did pass away and I was asked to have a look at it, I was looking at where can I actually condense sections in the sense of making the dialogue pertinent but actually making the action move faster at times. So it was a matter of taking some of the huge sections of dialogue and bringing it together much more quickly in some sections. But the, the editing that Echo did was just fantastic, so I kind of just filled in bits.
0: Your role was kind of um, like an editor's role, I suppose. And it, I suppose it was in the end. Does that present sort of challenges for you being an editor but... Jeffrey's partner as well. Is there any conflict for you between those two roles?:
1: Ah uh, yes, there was conflict when, when he was alive, obviously, um, in the sense that I think I would look at it a little bit more critically, whereas Robert would be more emotionally attached, especially to his characters, especially to the characters. yeah. and, and the conflict, in the end, I would just say, well, you go your way and we'll, we'll leave it at that, but it eventually came back.) <laughs>
0: Robert's first novel, The Man at the Window, we are introduced to Detective Sergeant Robert Cardellini. The final cut also introduces and develops Detective Constable Lorraine Spencer. Who is she and what part does she play in Detective Cardellini's development?
1: Spencer was quite a surprise to me when she came on the scene. Not, I suppose, thinking about it later. It shouldn't have been. But the surprise was that he would introduce a woman like that in the 1960s a woman that was very much her own person. We don't get a lot about her background. I think that was coming up in the next novel. um. But she is someone who is very independent and very conscious of the woman's role in the 1960s. What she does in the novel is she challenges Cardellini. He's forced to look at his own views and his own fears about women or not not about women but fears for women because being a policeman he knows what the situation is and he knows the type of problems that women can get into and he's faced with shall I mother this or father this girl or will I let her actually join me as a partner and I think he has problems with that aspect but he has to resolve some of it it actually gets him and Spencer into uh, a lot of problems and some very um, dangerous situations where he, his idea of control of a woman or his protection of a woman doesn't allow that, that friendship or that partnering to work really well because he takes on the patriarchal role in that situation. Spencer's role in it you see that as someone who's trying to make a place for herself in a situation and also in a profession that is very male-oriented, very macho, and so that that causes problems. and And she has that, um, I suppose, that imposter syndrome that a lot of women have in when they take on the positions that they've always wanted, but the environment around them and how they've grown up, they feel that they can't actually do it. So uh, she struggles with that aspect of it um, and has to find her own courage and her own confidence within that role. And as women in those times uh, would have and did find it difficult, but in actual fact, I don't think much has changed. You know, we may have come a long way, but, you know, I still get that imposter syndrome when I've been doing the same job for quite some time and I know I'm very good at it but it still crowds in on you when you're about to do something and you have to kind of you know let that thought go past you and go yeah well yeah good on you mate just move on I'm moving on here you know that sort of thing so but but Cardellini does struggle very much and and To be honest, Robert struggled. I mean, both Robert and I grew up at that time, but Robert really struggled because we had three girls and those girls were not going to hold back. And he had that father responsibility, but at the same time, I suppose, knowing that he should let the girls do their thing. Um, And I think it was very difficult for Robert to do that. And I, I think a lot of Cardellini is in Robert and Robert in Cardellini.
0: Robert also seems to have been familiar with police procedure and, um, and and the attitudes of the time of the police. Was this part of his research?
1: It was research. Um, as you mentioned before, Robert wrote plays, and one of the plays that he wrote that actually never, never got produced because... Um, uh, the company that he was working on it for, the Black Swan Theatre Company, actually changed directors and they changed what they wanted to do at the time. But the, the play that he was working on was about John Button. And John Button was um, a, a young man in the 60s who was convicted in 1963 of um, the murder of his girlfriend at the time. It was said that he, he ran her down. Um, but in actual fact it was a miscarriage of the law and Estelle Blackburn wrote a book. She looks at all the police evidence of the time and because Robert was writing a play about John Button, he was in touch with John Button and also Estelle and he went through all the paperwork and went through all the interviews and became quite familiar with the way that the police operated in the 1960s. Um, John Button was eventually released and um, it was said, you know, that he was innocent. But all that work that Robert did for the play was kind of a background actually for the 1960s police methods of the time. Um, Not exactly corrupt but, you know, they'd cut corners and, Again, that whole country, country town aspect in the '60s, where everyone knew everyone, everyone helped each other out, and if it looked like he might have been guilty, or you know, someone might be guilty, they will not frame them, but look at only the aspects that would uh, support their theories, um, which may not be too different. Now, again, oh, my God, this is terrible. <laughs>
0: uh, policing of convenience, you might say. Uh, yes. And, of course, the whole plot revolves around this intersection between prostitution, domestic violence, and the whole social outlook for women. And I yes. think that the, the uh, plot was really carefully developed, um, but Robert also yes. never gives too much away. Um, And I think dialogue is used very skillfully to develop both character and plot.
1: His first love was theatre and acting. So we actually met at NIDA. So both of us went through NIDA and went into into, uh, work in the the acting industry. Um, And then his uh, writing of the plays, that's all dialogue. So he's very skillful in that. The other thing too is that Robert was very, he was a quiet person who would listen a lot, you know, around the dinner table or at a party or social gathering. Robert would not be actually saying an awful lot, but he would be doing a lot of listening. He would listen for not just the language, not just the words, but what's underneath the words. So the motivation of those words and what's underneath that line. So um, I think the dialogue was crucial. In, in him actually developing the characters. Because he was so skillful at writing plays as well, I think this could also become a play. It could become a movie or, or something along those lines because it is very much character-driven.
0: Another really interesting part about the plot I found was this kind of backstory for one of the main characters, Melody, which develops alongside, I guess, the contemporary thread. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it was the way that those they gradually catch up with each other. In the timeline. Yes, interesting use of time.
1: It's almost like there's two uh two novels in the one. And that, that was similar also in um, Man at the Window. Um he struggled with the melody plot line because so many times, and I won't I won't give it away, but so many times he would say, Oh, I want this to happen to Melody, but maybe I shouldn't. Um, that'd be too Difficult. That'd be too painful, and and so we would discuss, especially the ending. He was so um, upset how he he would have to struggle with what. What are we going to do with melody at the end? Um, and I, I I think I I think the two plot lines working together is what makes the tension in the in the. I was going to say the play. The tension in the the novel so intense her her naivety and her her expectations or her desires her her one wish in life was so kind of innocent in a way um and it became embroiled in something that wasn't innocent but um and i think robert's fantasizing about how it could actually come about and how she could actually get what she wanted Um, And his desire for this girl to actually achieve her, her wish, a lot of those chapters when I got to the book were all over the place because he'd been playing with a lot of things and I had to, it was almost like a mathematical problem and I'm shocking at math so I've had bits of paper everywhere and trying to you know to work it out so I I did quite a lot of research uh about Geraldton and what was happening in Geraldton at the time and and her age that was another crucial thing making sure that her age was correct as it went through um but yeah it was all absolutely it had to be planned perfectly to make it work yeah
0: given your involvement in this book and your involvement with other books and in Robert's life in general do you Can you see yourself carrying on the Cardellini tradition?
1: Oh, my God. Um, Look, he had ideas for another three novels and we talked about them, but, you know, I don't think I have, I don't think I've got the skill or the ability to grab hold of those ideas he had, they're really, I mean, it was just little bits of paper. You know, I don't think I've got the imagination. I, I, I know I can write, but every time I've tried to write, it's always been about reality. And, my God, who wants to know about that? We've got enough, of, enough trouble already with reality. I, I really, uh, look, I haven't gone there. I haven't gone there. I might, but at the moment, no way. I've had uh, quite a few years where my life's been turned upside down in more ways than one and um, I'm still waiting for some peace, some calm that I can actually figure out what the hell am I doing in the next few years because at the moment I seem to always be doing a catch-up, you know, doing a catch-up with Rob and a catch-up with the book and then a catch-up with health and a catch-up with, I'm just trying to catch up, so physically catch up and mentally catch up and then move on. So you never know, Catalini might come back, but um, not just yet.
0: (laughs) I look forward to the prospect. (laughs) The book is a really interesting book and uh, I really wish you well with uh, the book into the future. So Rosalba Jeffries, thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you, good sir, and good morning. I've been talking to Rosalba Jeffries about Robert Jeffries' The Final Cut. It's published by Echo and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. This Good Reading podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxureread.com.au to find out how.